as we go out into the world in this new year, 2022, our responsibility um, to proclaim Christ and to show people where they can find rescue, where the person in which they can have salvation. And I hope that we do that uh, well this year and with the opportunities that, that God gives us. So looking forward to that. Well, we're finishing up and this week and next week our series on worship. And I do hope that it's been helpful to you. I know that it has been helpful to me to um, get, get back into this and reacquaint myself and, and um, re um, just revalue um, re-emphasize in my own life uh, these important principles. Uh, worship is of uh, primary importance to God, and we see that from the Ten Commandments. And if you haven't seen that through this series yet, then you've missed really the whole point. This is something that God takes very seriously and that is very important to him. And we've gone through that over uh, the last number of months, uh, we'll continue one final message, hopefully, the Lord willing, next week. We're back to more of a normal uh, routine. And we're going to continue with the uh, Gospel of John series in the evening. Um, after the worship series, I'm going to begin a short series on the conscience, something the Lord has been laying on my heart as I've had opportunity to study more recently, Romans 14 and 15, and um, passages in 1 Corinthians about um, individual conscience and what we need to do, how we need to respond to the individual sensitivities and conscience that God gives each and every one of us in the church, and how we can have unity together. And so looking forward into getting into that, um, and then we'll, we'll see uh, what the Lord has for us um, after that. But in the meantime, um, I hope you're ready. Since we didn't have service this morning, we're going to go through a lot of passages of Scripture in a short amount of time this morning throughout your Bibles. So get those Bibles ready. And as we begin to talk about this topic of giving, we're again discussing the practical aspects of our worship and our worship service. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about music. Um, we're going to be talking about giving today and then the preaching uh, next week. And this topic of giving and worship is to tonight our presentation of our offerings to the Lord in worship. In case you didn't know, that opportunity to give Every time in the service is an opportunity, not for the church to get more money because we need it, but it is in reality a time and other opportunity to worship God. And people miss that many times. Now, the topic of money can be awkward uh, to some. And yet, and I, I just want to be clear on this. This is something that I secretly have been waiting for. Um, you know, I came up with this whole worship series just so I could do this uh, sermon tonight on giving. I've been waiting weeks for this. No, actually, um, I'm very thankful. Uh, the Lord has given us many faithful, generous givers in our church, and we're, we're so grateful for that. 
I mean, even just talking through the business meetings recently and even looking at the giving from last week, it, it's obvious that we have people that give in abundance and that, that give out of joy uh, from what they have. And so we are very blessed in that way. So in one sense, this is really meant to be more of an encouragement to us as we look at this and maybe bring up some things we hadn't thought before when it comes to giving. Um, but uh, being reminded, most importantly, what is the most important aspect of our giving? Folks, it's, it's the attitude of the heart. And we always need to remember that. And we're going to see that today. So I hope this is an encouragement. Maybe it's an exhortation for some, and that's fine as well. Today, uh, one form of giving and worship that we do, for the most part, is still referred to as the tithe. And that comes from God's expectation of Israel, of a 10% tithe of their possessions all the way back in the Old Testament. If you've read your Old Testament and read the law, that's not a surprise. In fact, the very word, the Hebrew word for tithe, means 10%. So that's hard to argue. It's kind of like those that try to argue for a form of baptism um, outside of immersion. <clears throat> immersion. They, one of the main struggles they have with that is the very word means being immersed in the Greek. Well, the very word tithe in Hebrew means 10%. And, uh, but even beyond the numbers that we're going to talk about tonight, it is the heart behind the offering. That is the most important. And so let's just skip. We're going to skip quickly. I'm going to read to you the last of our passages tonight before I go to prayer. Mark 12, 41 through 44. And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Lord, give us understanding as we go through this topic again. Uh, and Lord, help this to be a um, time of of encouraging, but also of learning. Um, as giving, as much as, as the singing and the prayer and the preaching, is a very important part of our worship to you. And uh, maybe we'll be revitalized tonight, Lord, as well. We are thankful for a great uh, group of people in such a small church that do give of uh, sacrificially of what they have. Father, that, that is um, a wonderful thing to see, and we are blessed with that. So help us to um, learn much and to be encouraged as we go through these, these passages together. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's start tonight. We're going to be in Deuteronomy a few times, so you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 12. I'm actually going to... Um, Ask. I know my wife is listening below, and I'm going to ask her to send one of the boys up 
uh, to fill up my cup of water here that's almost empty. <laughs> if she can do that. Deuteronomy 12 and verses 5 through 7 is going to start us out. And our first main point as we talk about giving in worship is um, that God expects our giving at least 10% in our worship. And that's that tithe that we talked about. And we're going to see that here. You know, reminds me of a man that I had opportunity to speak with um, many years ago who really struggled with this whole idea of giving. And in, even in just giving that 10% of his tithe, he really struggled with faith. That And, and it was faith of, of obedience, really. That if he would be willing to do that, that God would supply his needs. In fact, kind of uh, grandiose, but his pastor had actually offered, had, had spoken recently on giving and had said um, that he had called for the people to put him as the pastor to the test, that if they would tithe and God didn't meet their needs, um, that he would actually buy their groceries for a whole week. Now, I've only heard that, ever mentioned that one time. A little bit of a unique take for a pastor to take on that. I, and I don't know if anybody ever actually took him up on it. But this man had considered that, but was just really struggling. And one of the things that he said was, well, you know, it just seems like when I decide to obey God and give him what he calls me to give, that I always have something bad financially happen afterwards. And that was kind of like almost his excuse as he continued to struggle through this. And my point was, well, you, you really need to, to give anyway. But then I, as I thought over that and I tried to encourage him, the, the really the key question was, what is the heart attitude? What is your heart attitude in giving or that's keeping you from giving what God has asked? And yes, this is a commandment. And some, some uh, debate whether this commandment is still in effect because it is tied in with the law. And there's obviously many things within the law and the sacrifices and all this that we're not required to follow anymore. And so many say, well, that tithe thing, that's, that's for the Old Testament believers. Um, that's not something God requires of us today. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of issue with that, as you would expect. We're going to look at this together. Let's read Deuteronomy 12, 5 through 6, 5 through 7. But ye, you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, that tenth part, and the contribution that you present your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your households and all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. The very word, again, for Hebrew word for tithe is maser, means ten part. And God, obviously, to his people, had specific expectations for worship, from the very location 
God said, um, now remember, they were still in the tabernacle, and they were still uh, transporting that thing on their travels to the promised land. But God is saying here that there will come a time where there will be one location where you will worship, and that I will choose for you. And I expect you to worship in that location, and I expect you to present and bring your offerings to that location. And then he goes into specifics about the offerings, the burnt offerings, sacrifices, your tithes. Then he says um, the contribution. And all of this is done, verse 7, the giving of worship, this fulfilling of this commandment that God asked to be done with joy and thankfulness for all the blessings that God had given his people. And that's, I think that's what this man missed that I told you about earlier. He was, he was giving almost out of fear. He certainly wasn't giving out of faith, but he wasn't also giving out of joy and thankfulness for all that God had done for him. And really, uh, as well-meaning as that pastor may have been, um, even the even the offer of uh, buying somebody's groceries for the week, if somehow God didn't come through on his promise, now I know he didn't say it that way, and his point was God was going to do it, but it still almost sounded a little bit like, but just in case he doesn't, I'll, I'll buy your groceries. That kind of misses the point, too. We're supposed to come out of gratefulness enjoy and gladly give at least this minimal requirement that God had of 10% for his people in a specific location. Where is our specific location? Well, it's here. Well, with you all, it's at the Knox building. And I will admit as well with this whole COVID thing, even that's been a little bit of a struggle, hasn't it? As sometimes we've zoomed, and trying to send those checks into the half coats and all that. I mean, it's been a crazy time. But yet, it still needs to be done with joy. A theological word book of the Old Testament described tithing like this. Tithing was never meant to be an onerous weight that one must give a tithe of what one earns. Rather, the tithe was a liberating act of joyful worship. The surrender to his use of a small proportion of what one holds in trust by his grace is a graceful act of submission and dependence. It was an expectation of God to be done in love by his people. Well, let's address this, this idea of the tithing not being legitimate uh, because it's connected to the law and things that God doesn't require from his people today. Well, actually, the tithe was a priority before the Mosaic law ever came into existence. And let's turn Genesis 28 quickly. We'll be going through some of these passages quickly. Genesis 28, verses 20 through 22. If you remember in the book of Genesis, Abraham, the patriarch of Israel, right? The founding father, so to speak. Um, He gave his tithes and offerings. He gave them to Melchizedek, but he gave them in worship to the Lord. But here in this passage, we have his grandson, Jacob, continuing the honoring tradition 
which he associated with worship of God. Genesis 28, verses, starting at verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Now, Jacob, in doing this, makes this a place of worship for him. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and he will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. There he sets up a primitive place of worship to God. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Now, it does sound like Jacob's not maybe entirely convinced and uh, kind of offering this to God. God, if, if you'll do what you've told me you'll do, and you'll take care of me, and you'll provide for me, then I will do this. But I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think this is an expectation of, God, you're going to do this for me. And when I am going to worship you here, and I will give you a full tenth. And this was a, a, a minimum, an expected minimum, all the way back at the time of the patriarchs in Israel. So it, 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 it was a priority even before God gave, began the nation of Israel and uh, brought them together and gave them his law. So that's one answer to this as well. But another aspect of this, we're going to the New Testament now, is Luke eleven forty two. It was a priority before the Mosaic law, but it was also the expectation of Jesus himself. And sometimes people that argue against the tithe being honored today miss this because it's included in a stern rebuke to the Pharisees. Luke eleven forty two says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And of course, Jesus is here rebuking the Pharisees for their minutia detailed attention to tithing. They took the tithe seriously. To the other extreme, they would spend, they loved spending time. And maybe you've heard this before, but they would get, they would take their little herb gardens and they would um, carefully extract 10% from each one and make sure that it was careful. And then and many times they would do this in front of others so that people could see how serious they were about tithing, even these small little plants to make sure that God received everything that he expected. And they were so careful in following these that they missed some of the more important aspects. And Jesus says there about providing righteous, just leadership, providing justice for their people, and showing the love of God to their people. They weren't quite as concerned about that aspect, as they were keeping this tithe to the nth degree. But isn't it interesting, in the midst of all that, Jesus still says, these you ought to have done 
Jesus doesn't object to the time or say that it's outdated or say that soon that it will be outdated, but he upholds it. He still has the expectation it will be done. But what he's doing is correcting their focus on this minutia of tithing expectation to neglect of loving others and living in a righteous way and, and, and leading in a fair and righteous way. But Jesus still makes it clear the tithe is an expectation. And really, folks, if you think about an application, is, is just giving 10% enough? 10% of our finances is actually the bare minimum of what we should be giving to God. Somebody has, uh, scholars have added it up. And in actuality, if you go back to the Old Testament and you add up all the different tithes and offering requirements um, that God expected of his people, it actually ended up more like between 25 and 30%. Maybe you know, it might have been more like, I'm sorry, more like 23 to 25%. Um, that they would end up giving to God. So uh, they were certainly used to giving over that 10%. And remember, they were supposed to be giving that out of joy and gratitude for all that God had given to them. Um, our giving should be joyful and not meager. So in the end, with this particular uh, problem or concern about the 10% tithe, if somebody argues with me, well, I just don't see that, that God requires of that of us today, I would say, well, okay, if, if, you don't, if you don't want to just stay to the 10%, you want to give over 10%, that's no problem. I'm not going to argue with that. If you're basically saying, I'm not going to stick to just this 10, legalistic 10%, um, I can be able to give more than that. Right? That's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. But folks, if you're arguing for less than 10%, isn't that rather slight? Isn't it really rather meager in the face of all that God has blessed us with? And I would put it back on that person. Why is it so important for you to somehow give less? Are you going to give less than 10%? Don't you think God deserves more than that? God deserves more. Uh, us giving in abundance with hearts that are ready to do that. Well, I believe that the 10% tithe is still legitimate today. Um, but also, there's another aspect of this that I really didn't um, understand or really wasn't presented to me until I was um, older, until I was married, actually. And it gave me good um, opportunity for thought. And I do believe this is correct that God also expects us to give every time we worship together. Let's look at Deuteronomy 16. I warned you, we're going to be all over the place, but I did tell you we'd be back to Deuteronomy. So back to Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 through 17. I'll give you a chance to turn there. And God lists three important celebrations on the Israeli calendar here. Um, the Passover with the Feast of Unleavened Bread that would take place in March and April. The Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, also called Pentecost in May and June, which celebrated the grain harvest. And the Feast of the Tabernacles, 
September through October as a celebration of thanksgiving for God's provision for his people. You're going to see in these verses that God expected his people at these special times of worship to always be ready to bring something, even if it was small, but something to present and give in gratitude and thankfulness. Um, I remember the first time hearing this. Well, let's read the verse first, and then I'll give you the story. Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. God makes it clear that they should not appear before him empty-handed. Uh, many of you, especially from Bob Jones, but I think most of you in our service tonight, maybe, uh, most of you, uh, knew or, or remember a man named uh, Dr. Ed Panosian. And uh, he was a revered history teacher at Bob Jones University. Uh, my wife and I were actually very privilege to sit in on a couple of his classes while he was still teaching in seminary and while he was still living. You know, the Lord has taken him home to be with him. And in the midst of all that, he, he emphasized something to us that I, for whatever reason, I had never been um, uh, given pause to, or, or, or given direction to consider before. I wish I could copy his voice, but in that deep voice, he, we were, I, and I forget what we were talking about in relation to church history, but he said, young people, I want you to remember to whenever you go into your church for a worship service, to always bring a tithe or bring something to present before the Lord. Always have something ready every time you meet for worship. And that was a revelation for me. And Leslie and I were in that class together. We wanted to take that class. Um, and we looked at each other and we said, you know, that, that's a good marker. That's a, that's a good um, plan, a, a good um, way to handle giving to the Lord. And we hadn't even... I hadn't even really studied it to this detail to realize that I had a, a, a wrong connection here. I didn't realize that God's word had actually addressed this in principle before, but it made sense to us. And that's really the principle that God still, I think, expects from us today. You know, giving and worship in this way is a test of faith. Two more chap or two more um, um passages here real quick. Turn to Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 12. And as you turn there, we're going to find the Lord is confronting his people of robbing him of their gifts and tithes that are due to him in worship. And he says there in verse 8, I'll give you a chance, Malachi 3 verse 8. Hopefully your pages aren't sticking together in that part of your Bible. Verse 8 says, will man, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And your tithes and contributions. 
And that word contributions there refers to gifts that are raised up to the Lord and worship to him. Those gifts that are presented beyond the tithe uh, just to present him something in worship. They're not doing these. And in fact, these verses make it clear that his people are already under the effects of God's curse because this robbery is not just an isolated incident from a few people. It's the whole nation involved. He says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And here's what he's saying. You're already under the curse and you continue to disobey me in this area of giving. And if you've read through Malachi, I hope you have, God's point is that the people are going through the motions and they've lost their heart for what they're doing. So God calls them back to having a heart of giving again. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Bring it all that there may be food in my house. God calls his people, begin full tithing again so that the storehouses may be full. These storehouses were the treasury there at the temple. And they would supply the Levites, the priests, with the provisions that they needed to live, and also the poor and needy. When God's people robbed God, they were also robbing people that needed these things. God says this is just not appropriate. So then God does a remarkable thing in the second part of of verse 10. One of the rare times he invites the people to do something, he invites them to test him, not by disobedience, but by obedience. He says, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. The word um, for test here is used in the positive sense of evaluating the dependability of something. God is saying here, you obviously have lost faith. And I am, and very graciously, by the way, to a disobedient people, he says, I'm going to allow you to test, to evaluate my dependability. And you need to to follow through on this. Giving from a grateful heart is so important to God that he offers his people the opportunity to prove him in it. And folks, he offers that opportunity today for those like that man I told you about at the beginning that still struggle with this. He offers the opportunity for us to prove him today. And folks, Folks, again, just so we're all clear, his blessings will not disappoint. He will meet all of our needs. Look at that end of that verse. I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I'll pour out blessings until basically your need is taken care of. And interesting as well, he says here, I will rebuke the devourer. Um, he basically has the idea of he will put, he will stay all the hindrances to our obtaining what we need. He'll remove all those obstructions from us and so that we will have what we need and that we will flourish. God says, you give to me first. 
and I will give to you much in return. And then verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. And the whole world, all the nations will see the abundance of God and God's people giving and joy and gratefulness and God providing their needs. Folks, shouldn't the people of the world see that from the church as well today? I'm not trying to equate the church with Israel. I think you know that. But if somebody were to visit our service, would they see a group of people? And I think that they would, by the way. They give out of joy and out of gratitude, expecting that God will do wonderful things because, and, and we have seen that in this past year, the Lord's provision for our little church, for miraculous provision in so many ways, as we have given faithfully to him. We have seen God answer this prayer, and we need to remember this. And so always be ready, every service, to give something. Because not only is it a test of faith, do we trust God as we give, but also it's a sign of devotion. And as we end tonight, back to that passage that we started out with, that I read to you, turn back to Mark 12. And Jesus is sitting there, Mark 12, verse 41. And he's watching people place money into the sh- what are called the shofar chests. Now, if you don't think Jesus had an interest in, in, in giving, actually remember that Jesus, one of the things that Jesus talked about the most was giving. And so, by the way, I hope that the topic of giving isn't awkward to you because it wasn't awkward for Jesus. He talked about it a lot. And it seems here he even enjoyed sitting and watching people give to God. One commentator gave some helpful background to this passage. Uh, His last name is Hebert. And he said this, Jesus with his disciples passed through one of the nine gates in the dividing wall around the temple proper and entered the court of women. The meaning of this word treasury is best taken as denoting the 13 receptacles for receiving religious and charitable donations called the shofar chest, chest because of their trumpet-like shape, each born inscription for what the money would be used for. And here, of course, as Jesus is watching, you have many wealthy people that are putting in large sums. And I don't think that Jesus is being derogatory toward those, these people. Um, I'm sure there was a mixture of folks that were giving out of love for Christ or out of love for God. And there were some that were giving because they had to, certainly. But then all of a sudden, this little lady, this uh, elderly widow, comes and does something remarkable. She puts in two small coins, and it says there, which make a penny, but don't think a penny and what kind of the pennies that we have today. In fact, if you were to compare today with, let's say, a $50 donation, what this little lady had given would easily be under a dollar. It is just a few cents. But folks, it's all she had. And Jesus commends her, truly I say to you. And in fact, he calls his disciples over to him. (laughs) And maybe 
maybe they had wandered off because they're saying, oh, Jesus is watching people give again, and we've got other things we want to do. And Jesus calls them back over. No, guys, come here. Come here. Look at this. And he points as probably the elderly, this widow is walking off. He says, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. They contributed out of abundance. She, out of her poverty, has put everything that she had, all she had to live on. Folks, it showed her devotion. She was showing her devotion to God and her giving all that she had. And so just a real simple application here. When we come to every service with something to give, it shows our gratitude and devotion to God. We know God knows the hearts of givers. He knows each of our hearts. And we can count on the fact he will bless those who give with joy and gratitude. Now, I know it's hard, even for us, uh, sometimes remembering to do this consistently. Um, we don't have a plate that comes up for the pastor. And so sometimes I'll have, uh, you know, make try to have the family have something ready or, or whatever and get done at the end of the service. And, uh, you know, things don't always go the way we want it to, but it really needs to be something that we strive for in our worship to always have something ready. Certainly 10%, that's the bare minimum, but always have something ready. Um, another uh, a website I read online, a uh, guy wrote something, Jason Bradley, that said the tithe, as we finish here, he said the tithe was an obligatory offering from the law of Moses requiring 10% of the Israelites' first fruits. Because God provided the harvest, this first part was returned to him. It was a reminder to Israel that all things we have are his. It was a show of thankfulness for his provision. Doesn't that go back to the verses that uh, Tom read at, uh, at our scripture reading? God loves a cheerful giver, not one reluctantly or under compulsion. And God is make, able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound in every good work. And then ending that passage, thanks be to God for his unspeak, inexpressible, excuse me, gift. Folks, God can give us always more than we can ever give him. He doesn't need our money. And in fact, as we talk about this, I don't want you to think that I'm coming from a pastoral standpoint of, folks, we need your money as the church. That's not the purpose of giving. Because the church needs the money. The purpose of giving is to worship God, is to show our gratitude and love for him. And if that's not a part of our giving, we need to repent. And we need to ask, Lord, help me. I'm not, I'm giving false worship when I don't give out of gratefulness and thankfulness and joy and abundance for all that you have given to me. Folks, giving's our opportunity in worship to show our thankfulness to God for what he has done for us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that you give us every week to be able to give back just really a trifle, a little bit 
in all that you give to us on a daily basis. Lord, if there's those here today that are struggling with this still in their hearts, and, and, and we all struggle with this a little bit, and it may be even uh, trusting you when, we, when we're struggling with finances and hard times, well, will God really take care of me? Let this message be a reminder that you will, that, that you call us to prove you in this, and that you will show yourself dependable. Lord, help us, as I think we do, but help us to continue as a church family to give out of thankfulness and joy and just uh, gratefulness for all that, that you have given us. And let us continue to worship you well in Village Chapel Baptist Church in this area of giving as we continue forward and serve you faithfully. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.